Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Michael Samuel Smith begins a brand new series that examines God by the numbers, and we'll take an inside look at the latest issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine with editor Lee's Cutshaw. As you and your family prepare for Thanksgiving and Christmas, remember to check out all of the Bible-based and Christ-centered gifts that are available on our website, swrc.com. With over 1,000 items, you can do your Christmas shopping and at the same time support Watchmen on the Wall. We have gifts from Jerusalem, Christmas-themed movies, and a huge selection of books and DVDs, swrc.com. Shop for friends and family, and support the ministry and outreach of Watchmen on the Wall, swrc.com. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, welcomes researcher Michael Samuel Smith back to Watchmen on the Wall to begin a look at God by the Numbers. Prophecy researcher Michael Samuel Smith is with us again. We're going to talk about his latest DVD production, God by the Numbers. Brother Mike, as I like to call him, is in the studio with me. His video production, God by the Numbers, is absolutely fascinating. It will answer such questions as, does the story of Methuselah show us the exact year of the flood, when it would take place? Does the story of Noah's Ark give us a type and shadow of the rapture, tribulation, and millennial kingdom? You'll have some really informative answers to those questions. This DVD, God by the Numbers, is jam-packed with prophetic material. Brother Mike, it's so good to have you in the studio with us once again. Thank you so much for the invitation to be on your show, Dr. Spargimino. Brother Mike, what prompted you to create a teaching about numbers in the Bible, and what do you hope to accomplish with this? Well, we wanted the listeners to know, Pastor Larry, this is a very unique and cutting-edge introduction to biblical numerics that can open up many prophecies. Many numbers in the Bible convey prophetic patterns, like number seven, representing completeness or perfection, or number 40, always showing a time of testing. We want to give great credit to our producer, Curtis Green, who with his 4K camera and computer technology produced an unbelievable product with color and graphics that would be on par with Hollywood. But the main focus was integrating over 45 years of prophetic knowledge, making the prophecy come alive in our biblical narrative. I think folks will be amazed at all the stories we covered that they never saw the revelation of Christ quite like this before. People's knowledge of biblical numbers will be greatly enhanced in studying this teaching. And they can share this with others, and it's pertinent to all age groups, too. We believe this DVD was the one for years we really wanted to make, and now it's finally here. Praise God. Well, Brother Mike, in your DVD, you brought up the name of Dr. Peter Stoner. He is one of America's top statistical scientists. You claim that Stoner says the Bible can be proven scientifically by the laws of probability. Can you unpack that for us? Because we're living in a scientific age, and if we have that kind of proof, that'd be fantastic. Dr. Peter Stoner lived from 1888 to 1980. He was a world-renowned scientist who dealt with mathematical probabilities. He wrote a book called Science Speaks, and he said the Word of God, the Bible, 
can be proven, scientifically speaking, to be reliable and made the claim Jesus really was the Son of God, and the mathematical probabilities prove it. He gives several examples in his book, but for the sake of time, I'll share only two examples. To start, there are 330 prophecies in the Old Testament that relate to Christ's first coming. To be fair, some are repetitive, but we do know there are 108 that are totally distinct and different. But Stoner chose only eight of those prophecies, so for the sake of time, I'll just give five of them. Number one, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Number two, that a messenger would prepare his way, referring to John the Baptist. And number three, the Messiah would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Number four, the Messiah would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. And number five, the Messiah would die having his hands and feet pierced. Stoner says that the mathematical probability of all eight prophecies being fulfilled in the life of one man is one in 10 to the 17th power. So to us, that's one in 100 quadrillion. And that's only in eight prophecies, not 108. Another example that Stoner gives, he shares a story where the whole state of Texas is filled knee-deep with silver dollars. Then one silver dollar with a check mark on it is thrown into the sea of silver dollars. After they're all stirred up, he places a blindfolded man out there to pick up only one silver dollar. The chances of that man picking up the silver dollar with a check mark on it is 1 in 10 to the 17th power, or 1 in 100 quadrillion. This proves the Bible is true, accurate, and trustworthy. Well, that is absolutely amazing. I think when you consider what it takes for a prophecy to be true, I mean, I'm not a prophet, and I can guess on some things, usually wrong, But this is absolutely fantastic, and it certainly proves the accuracy of Scripture. But, Mike, you say the uh, dedication of the baby Jesus in the temple may be giving us a clue as to when Messiah could be found in a future temple. Can you tell us about that? Well, this story is covered in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 37. After Mary's purification process was completed— And by the way, that's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus show up at the temple in Jerusalem. They are met there by an old prophet by the name of Simeon and a woman prophetess by the name of Anna. I really want to focus more on Anna for a moment. She is the daughter of Phanuel, which means in Hebrew, the face of God. In Luke chapter 2, verses 36 and 37, it tells us Anna was married to a man for seven years. Then she was a widow, fourscore and four years. That's 84 years she was a widow. So if she married at 17 years old and her husband died seven years later, that would put her at 24 years old. And 84 years later would put her at 108 years old. Even if she married at 13 years old, that would still put her over 100. This shows the importance of godly women in the Bible. But the main focus of this is, can we determine what age Jesus was at that dedication? Well, the answer is yes, we can. So let's go to Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Verse 2 talks about seven days of purification. Then circumcision on the eighth day is in verse 3. 
then another 33 more days of purification in verse 4, if it's a baby boy. So it's seven days of purification and another 33 more days of purification, which equals 40 days in total for a boy. By the way, it's 80 days of purification if it's a girl. Now back to Luke chapter 2. Jesus had to be exactly 40 days old at that time because the law says so. So multiplying that jubilee number, number 50, times that 40, it gives us 2,000. Could it be pointing to approximately 2,000 years later, Jesus could be found again in a fourth temple as he's crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords? I do believe that is pointing to something in the future, Pastor Larry. Well, that is certainly fascinating when you start looking at Scripture and doing some math. It's interesting what you can come up with, but In your DVD, you discuss something most of us never heard of before. You call it the zero curse. You discuss an ancient curse Israel had to deal with, and you claim America had a curse it too had to deal with, and it involved Native Americans and the U.S. government. Take a moment and tell us about that. Well, the Bible does give us examples of blessings and curses in Deuteronomy chapter 28. As to Israel dealing with a curse, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 15. God had instructed the prophet Samuel to give instructions to King Saul to take out the Amalekites. Because King Saul failed to do that and allowed their king Agag to live, hundreds of years later, a descendant of Agag by the name of Haman, found in the book of Esther, nearly killed all the Jews in one day in the Persian Empire. That was why God wanted King Saul to destroy the Amalekites many years earlier. Well, thank God he delivered the Jews from that curse. But like Israel, America too actually dealt with a curse back in the early 1800s. In the area we now know as Lafayette, Indiana, trouble brewed as the U.S. expanded into Native American territory. The U.S. government told the Indians they had to give up 3 million acres of territory in the Ohio River Territory. And the Treaty of Fort Wayne, which was enacted a few years earlier in 1808, stated so. So the Shawnee Indians, led by Chief Tecumseh and his brother, tried to make alliances with other tribes. This alliance became a major threat, which the U.S. government decided to go to war against Tecumseh and his tribal forces. William Harrison was actually the American governor over the Indiana Territory. He was actually made a general officer in the U.S. Army, and it was Harrison who fought against the Indians at the Battle of Tippecanoe on the 7th of November, 1811. The Indians were badly defeated, and the Indians' capital, Prophetstown, was destroyed. Twenty-nine years later, William Harrison ran for president of the United States and won the election of 1840. The Indians called for a curse against American presidents elected in the year zero. This is a true American story, and it's written about in the President's Handbook, written by Roger Matuz, that's M-A-T-U-Z, and it was edited by Mr. Bill Harris. Pastor Larry, I wanted the American people to be aware of this piece of history because it's been lost over the years, and there is something that God is trying to show us. Did this curse on the American presidency ever really happen? 
Well, actually, yes, it did take place. Well, Pastor Larry, there's good news and bad news, and I'm going to start with the bad news first. So are you ready for the hit list? All right, let's go. All right, number one, in 1840, William Harrison was elected and died of a cold in office. Number two, in 1860, Abraham Lincoln became president and is assassinated. Number three, in 1880, James Garfield becomes president and is assassinated at a train station in Washington, D.C. Number four, in 1900, William McKinley was elected and assassinated and died of gangrene while in office. Number five, in 1920, Warren Harding was elected and after a short illness, died in office. Number six, in 1940, William Delano Roosevelt was again elected and died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Number seven, in 1960, John Kennedy was elected and was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. That's seven presidents in a row that were elected in a zero year. Now notice, 20 years exactly between those elections. And number 20 in the Bible represents a complete or perfect waiting period. So, in my opinion, God heard the cry of the Native Americans as many men, women, and children were slaughtered. And God invoked Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 25, which said, Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. And now the good news, Pastor Larry, the curse will be broken with president number eight, Ronald Reagan. But why was the curse broken after seven presidents had died? Well, the answer is found in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 28, which says, Then I will walk contrary unto you, also in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. So after the seventh president died, i.e. JFK, the curse was broken and President Reagan, even though he survived an assassination attempt, was miraculously spared, thank God. And that ended the zero curse. One last note, all the presidents that died of the zero curse were all born in areas where the Indians once lived. Praise God. Wow. Speaking about national sins, God is still on the throne and he visits judgment and punishment. We don't think very much about that, but I think those numbers and so much of that cannot be disputed. So that is amazing. Well, in the story of the Good Samaritan found in Luke chapter 10, you say Jesus is giving us a clue as to when he's going to return. Now, I know you're not a date setter, Brother Mike. We've spoken about that before, but take a moment and run that by us. What are you talking about there? Well, the story of the Good Samaritan is found in Luke chapter 10, mainly in verses 30 through 37. There's a man on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. He falls among thieves and he is badly beaten up, meaning more than one bad guy beat him up. But the Bible says he's left for half dead. Three people come by, the priest who doesn't even look at the man, followed by a Levite who at least stops and looks at the man, but then passes by. Then the good Samaritan comes by, assesses the situation, and binds up his wounds with wine and oil, then takes him to and in on his animal, tends to the man's health the rest of the day, then the next day talks to the innkeeper and gives him two pence. 
and says when he returns, anything on top of that he will repay. Now, on the surface, this sounds like a nice story, only pertinent to that day. But prophetically speaking, Jesus is talking about himself and is giving us a prophetic clue when he's going to return in our future. So let's step back for a moment and analyze this huge prophecy. So let's define who represents what in this story. The man on the journey represents mankind. The reason he's half dead is because he's physically alive but spiritually dead and is in need of a savior. The thieves represent the evil world surrounding the man. He's on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem represents the kingdom of heaven, and Jericho, prophetically, represents living in sin or the kingdom of hell. So the man on the journey was born from good and is now living in sin, separated from God. The priest who first comes by represents the high priest of Israel, who has become so corrupt he no longer has love or compassion for the people. The Levite who comes by looks on but walks on by. He represents the Sadducees and Pharisees who claim to know the truth but no longer connect with people. Then we have the Good Samaritan, an outsider who would be rejected by Jews in that day. He is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He has compassion for the man, stops and assesses the situation, then tends to the man's wounds with wine and oil takes the man to an inn. The inn represents the grafted-in church who accepts anyone who really needs help. The Good Samaritan spent the rest of the day tending to the man's needs. Then the next day gave the innkeeper two pence and told him in Luke chapter 10, verse 35, "'Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee.'" The innkeeper in this prophecy is none other than the Holy Spirit. Two pence is two days' wages. The Good Samaritan is inferring he's coming back in two days. Now, 2 Peter 3 and 8, and I'll paraphrase this, it tells us, A day unto the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years unto one day. Prophetically speaking, Jesus is saying, I am coming back in about two days or about 2,000 years. Now we know the rest of the story. I know you're not a date setter, and you really didn't set dates, but I think the uh, parallelism and what you were pointing out is very, very instructive. Well, thank you, Brother Mike. We are looking forward to having you back for our next show, and there's a lot more on the DVD. So, friends, be sure to tune in for our next broadcast. We will continue speaking to Mike Smith about his latest DVD, God by the Numbers. We have much more from Michael Samuel Smith on Friday's Watchman on the Wall program. Today, we're featuring Michael Samuel Smith's brand new DVD film, God by the Numbers. If you love Bible prophecy and are fascinated by what numbers mean in the Bible, this teaching is the big one you've been waiting for. It's probably the most detailed presentation of biblical numerics ever made into film. Order God by the Numbers today. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com.
The new issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine is here. Lee's Cutshaw and Dr. Kenneth Hill are ready to provide a preview of this latest issue. Hello there, Kenneth Hill here, and I have been given the great opportunity to once again talk with Lise and to talk specifically about the prophecy in the news, the current edition. And so, Lise, let's talk just a little bit about it. Since you're in charge of the entire operation of getting that magazine (laughs) together— That's a scary thought, isn't it? It is indeed. But let me encourage folks to phone in and to purchase a subscription of the Prophecy in the News magazine. And you can buy a one-year, three-year, a five-year, or a lifetime subscription. And I bought the lifetime. It is Prophecy in the News magazine. And you can get your copy by calling 844 475 7486-844-475-7486. That's P-I-T-N, Prophecy in the News, 844-475-P-I-T-N. And you can also get it in some other ways. How can you do that, Lise? There's a very easy-to-navigate form on the website, prophecyinthenews.com. And one can fill that out, pay online, and also purchase gift subscriptions if one chooses to do so for their loved ones and friends. My wife and I have done that for our relatives, and we've been delighted to do it. It helps the magazine by giving them new folks that they haven't had in the past. And it also helps the loved ones that you have there, your neighbors, your friends, your family, and they get in on the good stuff, too. And there are a lot of good things that come with it, but you have to read it basically on the website to get all of it. What I want to talk about is this issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine, where we keep looking up at all times, and we're seeing new things that are being discussed in the magazine. For example, this thing that Billy Crone has been writing about COVID. He calls it Beyond COVID. That's doing some real research, isn't it? He has some shocking information that he wants to share with us about what he calls the global elites human 2.0. And if that doesn't send a chill down your spine, his DVD set and or book which people can obtain through Prophecy in the News and Southwest Radio Resource Centers. It should make us think twice. It's sort of a follow-up to the COVID-19 pandemic as he perceives it and so many perceive it as something that was put in place by humans on the earth to control people. And so this is the next step that Pastor Crone wants to share with us. His research is deep, and it is important for you to get the opportunity to find out about it. And this just opens the door to that for you in the magazine Prophecy in the News. We also have some things about cryptid creatures. Is that what they're called? (laughs) 
Well, of course, in addition to the rather creepy beyond COVID information, maybe something that's a little more fun to talk about, that will be from Pastor Michael Hoggard, also known as the UFO Pastor. He shares some information and then some biblical basis for some of these creatures that cryptozoologists believe in, but perhaps mainstream science does not, such as Bigfoot, Loch Ness, Mothman, and dragons and flying serpents. So stay tuned for that in the next magazine. And my friends in Central America are always looking for the chupacabra. Oh, so they're still looking for I'm so for glad that. you can pronounce that. <laughs> that's, well, that's how I know it, because they were always telling me those stories of that thing. We have an article, too, in this issue of the magazine about King Charles III. And you ask, does the legacy of faith end with darling mummy? What kind of a king will he be? You were instrumental in putting that together, so what kind of kings are you going to be? You're going to have to read, I guess, to see that, huh? I'm not going to tell them ahead, (laughs) no. (laughs) But there's commentary from many people, not only across the pond, but also from our side of the pond, about King Charles's interests and whether he's going to be a defender of the faith— as his mother was, or a defender of faith or faiths. And then also his interests that he has espoused for many, many years about climate change, the environment, and other things that he has supported. It's of interest, that's for sure. Thank you, Lise, for being here and for letting me have a conversation with you today. Thank you. The phone number, if you want to get your subscription to the Prophecy in the News magazine, is 844-475-7486. And if you want to subscribe in other ways, how might it be done? The best way is online at prophecyinthenews.com. We have an online form there, prophecyinthenews.com. And so, until we meet again to talk about these issues, we'll be reading them in the Prophecy in the News magazine, on sale now and ready for your perusal. Today in our Resource Center, we are featuring Michael Samuel Smith's brand new DVD film, God by the Numbers. If you love Bible prophecy and are fascinated by what numbers mean in the Bible, this teaching is the one you've been waiting for. Order God by the Numbers today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, SWRC. And don't forget to subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine. The latest issue is out right now. Subscribe today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Michael Samuel Smith continues his fascinating look at God by the Numbers. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app 
or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.